I'm Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. And in today's episode, we are looking at 2022's Blonde, a fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. Blonde premiered at the 79th Venice International Film Festival on September 8th, 2022, and began a limited theatrical release in the United States on September 16th, 2022, before its streaming release on Netflix, September 28th. Uh, That's when I watched it, it was streaming. The film also garnered controversy and notoriety for its lead casting, graphic sexual content, and status as the first NC-17 rated film to be released via a streaming service. That's right, folks, NC-17. Uh, Daniel, is this your first NC-17 movie? You're kind of a young guy. Yeah, so uh, I thought it was, but then I found out that, uh, is it Nymphomania? Yeah, Volume 1 and 2. Actually, no. So we were talking about oh. that prior to uh, prior to this release. Most of Lars von Trier's movies are just straight up unrated. Oh, okay. Then yes, this is my first. Yeah, so a lot of films will go for, especially if they're international films, um, they'll opt for the unrated. Okay. Rating. They just will say, fuck the, fuck the uh, I don't know, is it MPAA or whatever? They, they, won't even, they won't even deal with it. Um, I looked into it. I think the most recent one that I saw was Steve McQueen's 2011 Shame, starring Michael Fassbender, where he plays a sex addict. Um, that is... A, that's probably something I would like to cover at some point in the show. Cause I love like we're doing this Edgar Wright retrospective. Now I would love to do a Michael Fassbender retrospective. Cause he was one of my favorite actors of the modern era. Right. Uh, even his Magneto is like fucking amazing. I was going to say, yeah, he was definitely, his Magneto was definitely one of the best characters in the X-Men. So yeah. Yeah. Nazi hunter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and a lot of films will usually re-edit them down to get an R rating. Uh, which is kind of like taking a plea bargain. So a lot of times, a lot films over the years have been hit with NC-17, and then they'll kind of do whatever they got to do to get it reduced. Uh, Clerks, I mean, there's tons of them. The most recent one when I was looking up this online was, did you see The Kingsman? Yeah. Okay, the prequel. So that actually had a very lengthy battle uh, to get the R rating. It had to be completely re-edited three times. What? Yeah, which is interesting because I saw that in the theater, and um, I can't even imagine. I mean, it must have just been from the action or something. Like there wasn't, and that wasn't Maybe. even an action-heavy movie. No, um, that's what I was gonna say. So, I mean, you're better with films and stuff. What, uh, you know, you live that life. What makes an <laughs> NC-17 movie? Usually, it's sex. Um, sometimes it's blood, but usually it's sex. Right. And that's why the Kingsman is so odd is that it, it must have been gratuitous gore from that, from that when they from that end set piece where they're like storming the mountain or something or there's some shit that was completely cut out of the film that we haven't even seen. Um, like I said, Clerks is one that got hit by one. Uh, there's most of the the NC17 movies that I had seen previous to this. A lot of them are from. Uh, from the nineties. Cause that was kind of a thing where it's, it's very, if, if you keep the rating, it's very hard to get a, a widespread theatrical release. So the, the times when a film has kept the rating are very few and far between. And the nineties, there was a lot of it because you had, uh, you had the independent film, independent film boom. Right. So you had uh, Cronenberg in 1996 with crash there was a, a 1993 documentary, faux documentary, Man Bites Dog, which I can't believe I didn't mention during the Asher's uh, Be My Cat episode because it's right in that same vein. Also, Showgirls uh, infamously got one, Paul Verhoeven's movie. Um, but I think like RoboCop got one originally for being too bloody, which kind of you could see. RoboCop's a really violent film. Yeah, um, I can see that one. Yeah, I mean, there's a, uh, there's actually, there's a list online. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but it is kind of interesting. Because uh, yeah, I was, I mean, <clears throat> no spoilers or anything. I mean, I guess we can be spoilers to the movie. Regardless, to the to this movie, I wasn't too sure why it got that rating. You know, because um, <clears throat> I feel like I have seen tons of rated R films, 
that show so much more than that. Some people feel um, that it is so. Uh, going, uh, let me just clear this thing off real quick. Other other films that got like NC seventeen that got cut uh, edited down is like Bad Lieutenant. Have you ever seen that with Harvey Keitel? Um, what else? Uh, Pink Flamingos, which kind of makes sense, I guess. Uh, and then let me just grab one more here. Just to kind of get it off the, uh, we talked about shame. We talked about showgirls, swear net, <laughs> which is a, uh, a Serbian film. Obviously swear net is the, uh, the trailer park boys. Like it, it's, it's the people from the trailer park boys. So that would be like, Oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, South park bigger long you know the, oh really that, that one had an yeah NC-17? and that's animated so right. what the fuck you know what i mean yeah. it's kind of crazy but all right so going back to blonde focusing on blonde why did this movie get an nc-17 cut well uh there there's a decent amount of nudity right but there isn't a whole lot of sex as far as penetration goes, there's a there's a uh, a couple rape scenes, but as somebody and I know I've talked about this on a previous episode that's very sensitive to rape and, and film, wasn't really that bad. I mean, obviously it was traumatizing for the character, blah blah blah. I'm not being that kind of asshole, but I mean, as far as like terribly graphic or, or heightened, it, it wasn't. I thought Sleepers was creepier than this was, um, and then also. Uh, a lot of people feel that maybe it was because of the abortion content, which is kind of... So this film, uh, it, it shows... It, it chronicles Marilyn's life, Marilyn Monroe's life. And we see her from a little girl to a... Uh, to Unfortunately, when she dies, you know, at, at the end of her life. So we kind of go through that whole journey with her. And over the course of that time, she had several abortions. And... The film suggests that her mental decline heavily stems from the fact that her mother tried to kill her when she was younger, and that as she grew up and and became an adult herself, she had several abortions to keep her career going, or for political reasons, or for whatever reason she decided to do it, right? Uh, And in one instance, she didn't actually have an abortion, she had a miscarriage. But there's this theme of the mother trying to kill the daughter to uh, make her own life easier, to avoid the burdens of parenthood. And her mother very literally tried to do that to her when she was, I don't know how, how old she is in that opening scene, maybe like between eight and 10 or something. Right. And uh, she ended up aborting several children of her own because she didn't want it to affect her career. And a lot of people felt that that was very harsh anti-abortion rhetoric. And they felt that maybe the film was punished for that, um, which I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, okay. It's I certainly can definitely see that. Yeah, it's certainly not as graphic as you think it would be when you talk about a. Uh, now, X rating was it was never an official rating. You hear about all oh, this. The film was rated X. That is just kind of if a film chose to be unre- unrated, sometimes they would throw the X rating on there. Um, but when you think of a film that's NC-17, when you think about a film that's rated X, you think about something more like Pink Flamingos or Showgirls than this. So it was okay. very interesting that this film did get that rating. Okay. Yeah, no, but I I could definitely see where the abortion was possibly like the main reason. Because I, I would say that that is a very uh, troubling time. So, like, maybe it was also just, like, the mental aspect, or maybe it could have been a trigger for some audiences. Uh, but I will say that first, that first one, that was the, uh, that was, to me, one of the ones that was, like, whoa. Like, because she, she didn't want it, or, I don't know, she was having second thoughts, but she was also kind of, like, nobody was listening to her. And obviously, like, I don't know how much of this is actually, like, based, like, on her life like i don't know if she actually went through that but i feel like mentally that'd been really fucking rough yeah i think it's pretty accurate as far as what what she went through in that whole thing um yeah that that scene is kind of uh it's very dark right and that and that's something that we should say about this movie is that it's a very um 
very tonally it's a little schizo and i like that about it it can be very minimal at times um which i like in a movie uh, great acting minimal script uh, i like it when the when the filmmakers just kind of let the actors carry the scene right and time passes through individual scenes there's a lot of there's there's moments in the movie where one scene two actors in one setting will go on for five ten minutes and it'll convey a whole um a feeling of a very you know period of her life and then there's times that kind of like flutter by and you know you're telling somebody's whole life story in about three hours this is a long one i gotta warn you it's it's like two hours and 45 minutes and when you had mentioned that you watched it did you did it take multiple sittings for you to get through this or did you get through it all at once uh no i was able to get through it all at once uh i will say that that's kind of becoming a trend though with streaming these like high profile streaming movies yeah well because it's hard Uh, to do theatrically because the theaters they want they want as shorter running times as possible because they can sell they could cram more screenings into like a 16 hour day or whatever right right so like if you have a two hour movie okay we could screen that six times if you have a six hour movie okay we could screen that twice so it's legit it's a it's a matter of ticket sales matter of numbers and studios will have a filmmaker cut down a film so that it fits in one of those running time categories so that they can i mean that's something real that happens and that's and with a streaming service doesn't fucking matter right so they let the filmmaker go as long as they want and some people definitely take advantage of that and i think this film was a uh was a byproduct of that although i don't know if i could i mean it, it tells a big story it didn't necessarily feel long-winded um but it is long (laughs) right yeah you know i sat through it in one night too and uh we started it at at like seven and i thought i'll be over with by 10 but like potty breaks aside and and pausing it to do whatever (laughs) it was like it was like 10 15 when this fucking thing was over with and i was like jesus christ but uh it was good you know they kind of they kind of go back and forth with black and wa- black and white and color I really photography. Like that. that was actually yeah. probably one of my that was probably my favorite part of the movie because it was like uh, I don't know you could tell when she was down and then you can kind of tell like when she was it was kind of like her on drugs like that was like the I think the point is whenever she was up on when she w- was on her high the movie was all bright colorful and then when she was on her lows. It was black and white, and and not just even. I mean, you know, she takes drugs, like I guess the last quarter or last third of the whole movie. But like, I like how at the beginning, like you just can see where she was happy and where she's not happy. When she talks about her father, like it's always like in color, and then uh, meeting the juniors that turned into you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> that turned into color and i i feel like that was when she really actually throughout the movie i feel like that's when she learned to kind of like love herself and i thought that was a really cool part of the movie was when uh she met the juniors yeah so there uh early in her life uh early in her career she had a polyamorous relationship with charles chaplin jr and edward g robinson jr and um this was back in the early fifties and it was kind of, uh, very scandalous, right. That she was, she was this up and coming Hollywood starlet and always seen socially with these two like young Titans of Hollywood industry. And, uh, I mean, I guess it would be no different now than if you saw, you know, I don't know who would be, uh, What's that one? Like Lindsay Lohan out with fucking, you know, Jack Osborne or some shit like that. But I mean, it's, it, it makes good for, it makes good press. It makes good for TMZ. It makes, you know, the, the tabloids ate it up and it kind of added to her reputation. Um, you know, the one thing that was interesting about her and kind of an undercurrent of her story is that she was, I don't say this it was done intentionally, but she was very much one of the first uh we had a time in in american culture where sexuality was just kind of beginning to be 
sold to the masses, right? On TV, you still had people sleeping in separate beds, as ridiculous as that sounds. Where, like, on sitcoms, you know, their beds weren't together because they wanted to suggest that. I don't know if you ever noticed that when you watch, like, I Love Lucy and shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their beds aren't together. They're not sleeping in the same bed. And and when I was younger, I thought that's just how people lived in the 50s, (laughs) you know? Um, And come to find out, no, no one's ever really lived like that. Well, when you get in your 40s, you kind of do. You find different rooms to hang out in or whatever. But, um, yeah, like, that's not something that people did. And But that's how it was portrayed on TV. That's how it was portrayed in movies. Marilyn Monroe kind of didn't do that. She She was very, her sexuality was her selling point, and it was her marketability. And that's why she chose to not have pregnancies. I think the movie makes the argument that she ultimately suffered for it. She may have been one of the first women to kind of be the, uh, you know, the canary in the coal mine for the sexual revolution, but she paid the price for it. You know, the price of being one, of being the sex symbol is that you're being controlled by powerful men that just want to use you for sex. You're subject to the male gaze. You have everyone in everyone in the world from your your audience to your supposed peers to everybody just treats you like a piece of ass. And this woman suffered had had a had a not good life necessarily because of it. Um and that's kind of a this is this is definitely a tragedy if you look at the scope of the story um and that is uh i don't know that's a bummer man but i gotta say like going back to the whole spousal thing <laughs> you ever beat the shit out of your wife with a belt like who the fuck does no, that i haven't <laughs> no I, you know Dude, what? I got... <laughs> when i when i saw that i literally thought to myself i was like I I didn't okay so like when because it's Joe DiMaggio right right that was the guy that did that uh, right I in my head I was like did that is that what happened because I yeah. always thought that that was like I don't know like I I didn't know how they ended but I always hear you you know how people have their opinions on these like superstars especially the ones that are dead like and I like used to hear like oh she she really did love Joe DiMaggio and I'm watching this and I'm just like that she did not love Joe DiMaggio <laughs> like no like I think she found somebody that sympathized with her and then you know that kind of got close to her and maybe she wanted to get out of the spotlight and he wa- he was kind of saying that that that's what he can provide for her and then and then he ends up beating her and all this shit i was like what the fuck I was well like, that did after the seven year itch thing where she does the uh the white dress uh, above right. the subway tunnel yeah he beat the shit out of her and they got a divorce after that but he, they did so I, I mean i did a little bit of research for this uh just to kind of see how accurate the movie was it seems to be pretty accurate although it does suggest at one point that she doesn't know what an egg is and i don't think she was that fucking dumb um <laughs> But like, <laughs> yeah, that was actually really funny. Well, uh, but how? But how was was she really that fucking stupid? Like, I don't know. Um, that kind of stuff, I think, was like what. And, and there's a lot of this movie is very controversial for a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of feminist groups that that don't like the anti-abortion rhetoric, or they feel there's an anti-abortion rhetoric and they don't like it. And they also don't like the way she's portrayed, where she's portrayed a little eh, wonky, and. Um, you know, tr- childhood trauma or not, everyone knows what a fucking egg is. And there is that scene in the kitchen where she doesn't seem to know how fucking eggs are made. Which like, is do you eat this standing nutty. up or like whatever? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but he did beat the shit out of her, and which, which is no laughing matter. And it's not. Uh, but at the end of her life, he did kind of come around again. And supposedly, DiMaggio's kid was like the last person to talk to her alive. Um, so the they were still close. I think that, um, he ended up getting sober and kind of turning, getting his shit together, not to make excuses for the man, but just, you know, for, for story context where he was at is that, um, he was a baseball player, obviously that had retired and was trying to figure out what the fuck to do with himself. And he had a lot of money and he had a lot of clout and he thought, okay, now I can settle down and get married. And he settled down and he married somebody that had a very active career. And I think that it made him feel not so good about himself. And unfortunately, it was still an era where you could beat the shit out of your wife with a belt. And he chose to do so on numerous occasions. And that's really fucked up. 
Um, and I also I, get to the point that she was like blaming herself for it. Well, that's a whole, I mean, we'll psychoanalyze people in a fucking minute, but like right. it, uh, I don't know. I just turned to my wife during it and I'm like, and I still got to mow the lawn. Look at this. Look at what she's putting up with. You don't have to deal with that. Like when's the last time I came after you with a fucking belt? Never. Right. But you expect me to go mow the lawn tomorrow? Fuck you. You mow the lawn. <laughs> you know, you don't get beat around here. Look what this fucking girl has to put up with. Jesus Christ. So yeah, she, uh, she got put through the fucking ringer, but it also makes perfect sense why she pivoted from DiMaggio to Arthur Miller. Um, because she did kind of, I will say this, the the one thing that I did learn from uh, this movie is that she really did take herself seriously as an actress. Yeah. And um, she tried to branch out and do Broadway, do theater, and that led her uh, to form a relationship with Arthur Miller, who is the, uh, he wrote Death of a Salesman, Grapes of Wrath. Um, no, I think that was John Steinbeck. Well, he did, he did, uh, he did um, Death of a Salesman. And he also had written the screenplay for The Misfits, which is the last film that she did. Um, and that was the Adrian Brody character. Right. Yeah, I liked... I, I was uh, enjoying that segment of the movie. I really did. Their whole uh, connection together. Even though I will say that it didn't... It, it kind of felt uh, not necessarily where she belonged. Like, I know that sounds weird, I guess, but, like, the way that she acted with him compared to the, all the other men that she was with, it seems like she just was uncomfortable a lot of the time. Like, it was new to be uh, so, like, out of the spotlight, I suppose. Because, like, with her, or where they were, it was just them. They were staying up in, like, Maine. It, you know, she wasn't, like, out in L.A. or something. So it was it was more quiet for her, and it just on screen to me it just looked like she was out of her element. Yeah, I um, I think when you're there's such a fake Hollywood um kind of existence, friendships, relationships. You have fake conversations about fake things. It, it lacks substance. It's very flighty. And when she was kind of with Arthur Miller, these were real people that she was expected to have real conversations with and have real friendships with. And she felt that was too much for her. Cra- crazy people, people like her, like that level of crazy. And I, it, I'm not, I know that sounds negative to use the word crazy, but whatever. I'm going to fucking use it crazy. Um, <laughs> they know they're crazy and they know they don't quite fit in. Right. And they have a tendency to avoid forming friendships or relationships with people that they, they think aren't going to accept them because she has been rejected so much in life. Right. She's used to that. She knows that feeling and she doesn't want Arthur's friends to reject her the same way her father did, or some of the men just kind of used her and then rejected her. Right. Um, cause they only wanted her for sex or for whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's where that kind of stems from is there's masking that's involved. Even if you're not an actress, right, where you have to be a certain way around certain people. And I think that when she was around him and not necessarily him, but her his friends, that she had to mask more than she normally did in L.A. or New York. Um, she couldn't just kind of coast by on being Marilyn. She had to be Norma Jean again. And that was, she was at a point in her life where that was almost too much for her. Right. You know? And uh, that's something I can kind of, I can kind of see, uh, you know, if you have, you know, there's certain, certain people you could be yourself around, certain people you can't. And she just never felt like she could be herself around them because she felt like it was too much, you know, Right. which, which is definitely a bummer. Yeah. But that, I mean, I, I'm happy that like that, you know, the way that you just said that is exactly how that was in yeah. those uh, few scenes and up in Maine. So that was really good. Oh, the daddy stuff. That was when it was like at its most intolerable. Like, yeah. I oh, have yeah. Not... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time I was laughing, honestly. It's a bit much. I mean, I've had I've had girls call me daddy before. Um, 
Definitely. And I, you know, I'm not, it, it doesn't make my nuts churn. You know what I mean? It's not my, <laughs> my favorite thing in the world to hear. Right. Uh, it doesn't ruin it for me, but the way that she did it, like, I don't know if it was overdone for the sake of the narrative, but, uh, like, we get it, she's got daddy issues. But just the way that she would do it, and she would slip into these, like, daddy, daddy, oh, yeah. daddy. And you'd just be like, shut the fuck up. And I, I think that's where a lot of a lot of uh, people have taken issue with this movie, too, is that they don't necessarily feel like that was a, you know, they're not making her look good. Like, they're making her look like right. this annoying, like, like, like clingy father issue woman. Um and I, I, I'm not here to speak on the historical accurateness of this film. You know right. what I mean? I, I was never a, th- this film kind of operate. I, kn- I knew who Marilyn Monroe was going into this, but I never had em- enough emotionally invested. I think the most I ever thought about her on a personal level was number one, whether or not she was killed because JFK got drunk and told her about UFOs one night, which I think we've all heard before. <laughs> right? And right. No, number two, like, the Candle in the Wind song by Elton John. Like, it's right. probably... Found, found naked in the nude. <laughs> right. That's right. probably, like, the only two peaks into her fucking psyche that I've ever really thought about. You know? Right. <laughs> Actually, uh... I, I've seen a couple of her movies. Um, they weren't bad or anything, but to be honest, like during that whole era, I'm more of a Audrey Hepburn kind of guy. Yeah, I like the redheads definitely. Um, so that was more of my thing. Marilyn was good. Like I, I would never say she wasn't, but uh, I will say that <clears throat> most of my stuff for her is also, uh, you know, attached with JFK. So. Right, which that blowjob scene was kind of hot, I guess. Um, but it was kind of rapey. Yeah, it which was is kinda, a bummer. Well, for me, like I was just like, at first. So when it first started happening, I was actually, I think I like got up to go like get a drink, and <laughs> I was like, I like was still watching the TV because uh, the way my house is, I can still like see it. And at one point, I'm just like, wait a minute, is she giving head? <laughs> and I'm like, like wait. I was like, and then I was like, is that her hand? Like, I, I had to, like, stop, and I had to rewind to make sure that, like, I wasn't seeing dick and her mouth. I was like, I, I had to, like, make sure that, that was her, and then it was her hand. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, right. I get it. Like, you know. Because uh, I kind of expected to see, I did, there was one POV shot of a dick. I don't know if you noticed it either, but uh, it was whenever I th- uh, she was, like, talking about how like she got here and or like how she, uh when they were i actually with joe dimaggio and he was like how did you you know how were you discovered or all that stuff uh it actually does cut to a scene where it's like there's like kind of a dick like point of view like from her ass so and it was the first dude it was the the, the casting the agent guy yep. yeah so uh but yeah, no, I, I the whole JFK scene in it. I so I was actually really excited to see where, what they did with this. I right. and I will say, like the scene was good because I do feel like JFK actually acted like that probably more times than not, where it was just, you know, he was doing business on the phone, you know, talking about some commie shit, and then <laughs> while he audibly orgasms, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I, I just kind of wanted, I think I wanted more of that relationship. Cause I don't know if you've ever seen like that little docuseries thing, JFK, where it was like actually acted out. And they, like, Marilyn was a part of that for like a good three or four episodes, or maybe like two episodes, but they were like a, a little over an hour or so. Like, but they, I don't know. The, she was a main character in it. And it suggested more than a a sexual relationship. Like there was talks of him leaving Jackie. There was, you know what I mean. There, there was like it was deeper than that. And then there was also uh, Robert Kennedy and like all his shit with her. And then in another movie, at Bad Times of the El Royale, they found a picture of JFK and RFK like together with Marilyn. So. I don't know. I kind of wanted them to deep a little bit into that. And then 
uh, when they like kind of like broke into her house and like all that shit kind of happened. I I literally thought to myself, I was like, oh shit, is this? Are they going on that really like deep conspiracy theory of like JFK like killed her and everything? And then that didn't that didn't end up panning out what I thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I I'm not gonna lie, from that last like 15 minutes of the movie, it made me kind of want more, and it made me want more on the sense of like, was that really her last like week basically? Because like I mean that was rough as fuck, and then. It sucked with, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Cass, uh, Chaplin Jr. He was he died, and he sent her like that package, and then come to find out, you know, he like fucked with her, and her uh, through the movie she thought she was receiving like letters from her father, right, and then she found out that. <laughs> that she wasn't and i'm not gonna lie dude i was like that fucking sucks i was like that guy i was like you knew he was obsessed from the beginning with her but like i was like fuck i really wanted at the end for her to like meet her father or get some kind of closure with that did not happen yeah so i don't i don't know i i did like the movie it was definitely a downer um I wanted more from the JFK stuff. I also like did. So during the timeline of that, that JFK stuff, did, was she still with Arthur? I don't think so because okay. I think they separated after, um, they separated after her miscarriage. And then I know that, uh, it doesn't really depict it in the movie, but like I said, Joe DiMaggio kind of came back in the picture. Um, right. So, like, I knew that he came... Okay, so one thing is, is, like, I knew that he kind of came back because other things that I've watched, they were kind of together, and there was, like, an issue going on between, like, the Kennedys, him, and her. And I guess I was really wanting that, but maybe they just were, like, were kind of out of time. Because I think that first 20 minutes of the movie probably could have been trimmed down a little bit but also at the same time i guess it'd been kind of hard to re like i guess re-engage joe into it but well i think yeah the, the movie when you're doing a uh a biography like this you have to pick the narrative that you're going to tell right because everyone's life is just a big collection of events and choices and sometimes there's an overarching uh you know, theme or something, but otherwise, like, you know, if you had died tomorrow, like what, what would they, what would your story be? Would it be the rise and fall of a podcaster or a restaurateur? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, you you right, got to like, figure some no, kind no, of fucking right, story right. to tell. And I, I think that they, the way they chose to frame the Kennedy stuff, and this is where historical accuracy does come in because the way they chose to, uh, frame the Kennedy stuff was that this was her at her lowest point was that she had reached the apex of sex symbol stardom to where now the most powerful man in the world yeah. is attracted to her. Unfortunately, he's just using her for blowjobs. Right. But it's the president of the United States. Right, the, which is the, literally her monologue. Right, like it does not get much higher than this. There is no other. She had. She is fucking the apex predator on planet Earth, and but she's still just. She's still just a piece of ass, and that's it. And it's not fulfilling towards her. The 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 sex symbol stuff, the power that's supposed to come from wielding your a woman wielding her sexuality like a fucking weapon. It, it it never pans out for her. It is nothing but a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. And it all comes back to her shitty fucking childhood with her shitty mother. Which, let me say this. I have never been with a Marilyn Monroe, but I fucked plenty of Marilyn Monroe's moms. All right? Fucking crazy, nuttier than squirrel shit-ass bitch. That, like that, and, her, the, the, and that woman drove her father away. That's why the father skipped out. Because he knocked up a fucking crazy broad. So I mean, really, what's what's the ultimate antagonist in this movie? 
undiagnosed, untreated mental illness, right? That right. that got passed down because that's kind of what propels her to do the abortion too in one of the earlier scenes where she realizes that her mom's nuts. She knows she's a little off and she's afraid of having a kid because she doesn't want to make the kid nuts or she doesn't want to gr- graduate to being as nuts as the mom is. Although the like she ends up doing that. She's just as self-destructive as the mother is. But the mother had the child to focus on her self-destructive nature, whereas Marilyn just kind of focused it on herself. Or you could look at it as through having the abortions, she did focus them on her children but she took care of it earlier you know and i don't know if the mom ever says i should have had an abortion but back then who knows how available that shit was probably not as as available as it was for Marilyn. um yeah man it's uh it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot back to the jfk thing i would i i completely agree with you being a conspiracy theorist much like yourself I would have loved to seen that stuff because that's where you get into a lot of really interesting shit. Um, not just the, the, the potential UFO connection or whatever, but no, just the fact that like at that point you are sucking off the leader of the free world and there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. You right. Know? And it, she might've been killed or she might've been followed or she might've been mentally abused or, or put in a position where she decided to take her own life. What was that like? And if this movie filtering Marilyn's life through the lens that it used for everything else used that spent more time and attention on that aspect, I don't think that it would have had anything positive to say about the Kennedy family, about the office of the United States president. You know what I mean? It probably would have been more negative, horrible shit, uh, which I'm right with you. I would have rather seen more of that than, you know, anything else. Right before that scene, uh, when she was like being dragged into his like hotel room, was Uh that Jackie, was that Jackie crying on uh, the couch? Was that what that was supposed to like symbolize? Because she was like, there was just like a woman with like dark hair, like crying on the couch, and like Marilyn like looked over at her, and like she was just had her head down, but she kind of looked like I couldn't see her face, but like her like the way that she just was reminded me of Jackie. But like I was like I didn't think that their relationship, like obviously Jackie knew some shit was going on, but like. For me, I always thought that Jackie was kind of away. Like it was when she was more away or like not around that he I've... would do those things. And like the if if not, and if that's really how it went, like he was just in a fucking hotel room, like naked with a fucking thing to help his back out, like attached to him, uh, like a gird, like what is it, a girdle or a girdie or what? I don't know. But, like, he's, like, fucking on the phone, and Jackie's out in the other route, like, the lobby, and, like, Marilyn's up there. Like, I was just like, fuck, that's, that is so bad. That's so dark. Yeah. I I think the way, now, I, I didn't make a note about that, but I know what you're talking about. I can't remember specifically how, blow for blow, how that went down. But I want to say that, I think when I was watching it, I thought that maybe she was, like, the first girl that he had just banged. And now Marilyn was like number two. Like that was mm. someone that he had already kind of right. uh, well, yeah, requisitioned does... sexual favors from. Right. Because it also does show that uh, in the room there was some wine glasses and there was lipstick on it. Yes. That's what That's what I think I where I connected the dots. Okay. I that... wonder if it was a situation where like, because like I read a couple things on JFK and there was some things where like he... He'd be under so many drugs and also like under so much stress that like, like he could get up, but he like would not finish, and so he'd have like certain people that would basically be the, <laughs> be come in clutch and help him out with that, I guess. But like, I wonder if that was a scenario, kind of like that, or maybe not. Maybe he just like popped one up thirty minutes before Marilyn got there. She, she and then he like kicked that other lady out and brought Marilyn in. Yeah, maybe. But I didn't like how they manhandled her through that, though. I kind of wish that it was more, you know, oh, come this way. Like, you know, the president awaits you. Not, uh, yeah, you're coming with me. Let's go dragging her through the halls of a hotel. Yeah, that was dark. And yeah. that was something where, uh, you know, I guess she got all that all that power. I mean, right. when it, you just pick 
chicks out of the National Enquirer and be like, bring me that one. <laughs> bring Go me that one. People magazine, be like, all right, I want her and her. Who knows? It's something that I think that I, I I can't believe that that was the only instance of that happening in American history. And I don't necessarily mean the president, because if you think about it, the president's got a, po- a lot of power. The president's got a lot of authority. But it is a Bill Gates doesn't. Elon Musk doesn't any fucking millionaire billionaire when you get to right. that point. Doesn't. I mean, maybe they do. You know, maybe yeah. that is a thing that happens and we just don't know about it. Well, I mean, uh, I like to fuck. You know, and right. I, I'm a I'm a man of very meager means. I think that if you <laughs> if you uh, multiplied my assets to that amount, um, you know, I mean, hey, I I, I I do all right for myself, and I have a problem ordering shit off Amazon. All right, if I <laughs> if, if I was a fucking gazillionaire, I'd be ordering people off fucking TMZ. You'd be like, bring me that Disney star. Just ordering them. Um, Right, and I have have them get fucking Culver's on the way over too. Fucking <laughs> make sure to so. pick up a burger. Yeah, you know what I mean. Why, I'll send you out for everything at once. Right. So. Yeah, man. So, it was... go on. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, uh, out of you know the uh, actors and stuff, what did you really think about like Anna De Armas though as Marilyn? Yeah. So, um. I thought she was cute. I mean, I, I thought she did a good job. I, I, I like I said, I, I did like the script. Um, I, we should probably mention it was written and directed by Andrew Dominic. It was based on a book. Um, he is someone that I haven't seen a ton of his films, but he did do a movie called Chopper with Eric Bana. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so it came out in early 2000s, and Eric Bana played this, like, criminal in uh, Britain that was very, uh, he was like a career criminal, but he was very charismatic, and ended up writing his autobiography in jail. And um, they did a similar movie with Thomas Hardy, where Thomas Hardy kind of plays the same type of character. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like Thomas Hardy's breakthrough role, where he played, like, this badass career criminal inmate that uh people liked you know what i mean and i, I want to say it's like it's not like a hokey anti-hero movie but i know at one point in chopper eric banna's at the bar and he's talking to this chick he sees his ex-girlfriend and he goes up to the bar and he takes his dick out at the bar and she sees him from across the bar with his dick out winking at her <laughs> and i know i did that a couple times in my 20s because i thought it left such an impression on me <laughs> Wow. That's <laughs> I was amazing. like, look at this badass motherfucker just pulled his dick out at the bar and fucking be like, Did that help stuff. you out? I mean Is that how you got your wife? I'm just no, that is not that is like, not how I like fishing right there. Right. That'd be something to tell the kids right there. <laughs> how I met your mother. No, I come up with different stories about how I met my wife all the time. I say I like to say that um we met on a music video suit. She was uh shoot she was dancing on a yacht for a twisted video that I was editing. Um my other one is that she used to sell oranges on the side of the freeway, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I gave her a ride home, or uh, I don't know, I, whatever the situation is. Like if I, I, I'll make up some kind of insane story about how I met, how I met my wife. But no, um, what did I think of her? I thought that uh, I I like they gave her a lot to do, right. and I think she handled it very, 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 very well. Um, you know, I when you told me who this actress was, and I don't even have her, I don't even remember her name right now. But Anna um, yeah, I it did not immediately recognize her. Um, and then you mentioned some of the roles that she had, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I uh, I thought she did a great job, and I thought the script gave her a lot of heavy lift, heavy lifting to do, and I think she definitely rose to it. Um, you know. Oscar nominee worthy, sure. Uh, Oscar award winning, I don't know about that, but I mean, I thought it, I thought it was up there. I thought it was pretty solid. Right. Okay. You know, speaking of heavy workload, she's been pretty busy this year too. Our last couple of years, not only did Blonde come out, but Deepwater and The Gray Man came out this year. So that's three movies for her. Yeah. Uh, Deepwater, the Ben Affleck cuckold movie that I wish I had liked 
Um, I don't know if we'll cover that one on this show because I didn't. This one, I, I like this movie. All right, like we'll cut to the chase here. Are you not I, I, so I'm sorry. Keep, keep going. No, I genuinely like this movie. I thought this movie was solid. I think it's very interesting and it's worth a watch. I don't think it's classic, but I think that uh, if if you give the rating, if you if you, you look at the way it, it treats sexuality and mental illness, uh, being a historical biopic, I think this is definitely worth uh, your time. I think either plan on spending three hours or splitting it up over two days, whatever. Um, it's not action-packed. It's not dirty. You can't really jerk off to it, but... It is, I feel, a solid performance, a solid piece of filmmaking. And I like things that, I like the fact that it kept the NC-17. Maybe that was a gimmick, you know. I think it, I think it might have been a little gimmicky with that, but I'll let it go. Um, I think it was a very, very solid piece of filmmaking. And, uh, yeah, she she was a, she did a, she did really good with the role, you know. Right. Um, speaking of also, like, with Deep Water, you know, that was uh, her and Ben. Wasn't she the, uh, cause you know, they had history together and I don't know how long that history was together. Uh, romantic her and Ben Affleck. Yeah. But like, wasn't, um, isn't she the one that like Ben ended up like leaving that other chick for like kind of recently. And then they were in deep water and I'm pretty sure they filmed deep water like after they broke up. So I feel like that movie probably had a lot more tension than we even thought. Like, wow. I yeah, I didn't... just thought about that movie that she like, yeah. I, Cause I knew they were together, but I don't know about like, I don't know the timeline. Basically. I don't know the dates and stuff. Yeah. I don't know either. Cause um... I could add some extra drama, you know, into the, uh, into deep water. She did date him from March 2020 to January 2021. Oh, so then she probably dated him while that movie was being made. Well, because that movie came out in 2022. It was like March. I remember. Yeah, March 18th, 2022. So they probably broke up during filming or right after filming. I would think. Well, no, three months probably isn't enough time for post-production. So, no, they were dating during it. Okay. But yeah, then he went back with J-Lo, which is, I'm so happy for him. Not that I get <laughs> super invested. <laughs> Not that I get super invested in the lives of celebrities, but I've always liked Ben Affleck. Um, he's always been one of those totems for myself. And uh, even though we look nothing alike, but just I, I, his nature and stuff, I like him. Um, and then uh, the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he gets back with Jennifer Lopez, it's like, yes, go for you, man. That's every Irishman's dream is to bang a smoking hot Latina. Like, he's I'm just so fucking happy for the guy. He got to be Batman. Like, I know he's had his fucking I know he's had like his ups and downs, and I'm sure he'll tell you himself his life ain't all been fucking peaches and rainbows, but like, goddamn, I love living vicariously through that guy. He's buddies with Kevin <laughs> Smith. Like, he's just Yeah. I don't know. I fucking I'm I I my wife, no, I, I, I love I like him too. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, he's a good dude. I assume, or maybe not. Maybe he's a prick. I don't know. He's he a could, funny he prick. He could be a lot like his brother, which we've Casey. talked about. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Casey. And I, it's just, it's bad. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like everybody that you start liking in film, you know, they just, all so much shit comes up on them. Actors are fucking weirdos, man. I mean, we. <laughs> We could do a podcast on that. Like, actors are fucking weirdos. And I feel like some of the the more... And not that directors can't be too, but directors kind of have a... Um, they're, requ- they're required to be a little bit more stable because they got to land a really big fucking ship, right? They're, 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 they're flying these giant fucking airplanes. They're called films. And if you can't... You don't have your shit together and you don't have your shit on straight, you're not going to be able to fucking land this thing. And um, I know there's been some asshole directors over the years, but usually, the like, if you look at, like, when Brian Singer, like, when all that stuff came out about him, that was because, I forget what movie he was working on, but they, like, threw him off it because he couldn't, he couldn't do it. 
Right. He he was too like that stuff that an actor would do. An actor can go be a fucking space cadet and and run their mouth and fucking be abusive on set and do all this shit and run off to the trailer and then fucking compose and then come back and do the scene. Directors can't do that. They're, they've got too much going on. And I think Affleck has proven himself to be a very competent uh, director that can handle real big projects. And I'm not saying that absolves him from being a jagoff, but I think it shows that like he's he's got he's he's, he's a little bit more put together than uh, his goofy little brother. <laughs> right. But yeah. That was blonde. That was blonde. <laughs> that was blonde. <laughs> It most certainly was. Check it out on Netflix, right? Netflix, yeah. <laughs>